WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long, and you're about to go one on one with Talking Taker. Holla! I got you. <laughs> I'm running down the road with Paul Bearer in tow I got 15 titles on my mind Seven world ones, one hardcore And seven tags with four different guys I Take her easy, take her easy Don't let the sound of gongs and bells drive you crazy Lights open, raise my hands don't even try to understand the supernatural dead man. So take her easy. Well, I'm standing on the corner of Death Valley, California. Such a bright fire I see. It's my house, my lord, burned to the floor. Lost my parents, brother, everything. Come on, Kane. Don't blame me Paul Bearer took me in as his And tried to train me Rarely lose, I usually win I never thought I'd see you again You opened up the cell and climbed in So freaking easy Running down the road and I'm all on my own Got a decade of destruction Call me big evil, not red, But do call me American Take her easy, take her easy Don't let the sound of them biscuit Drive you crazy Come on, fancy Coming back, it's the dead man So take her easy of the night welcome to episode 213 of talking taker our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of autism the undertaker my name is alex dorio and i want to thank you everybody out there in our pod street crew for joining us for yet another round of dead man talking oh get yourself more in the center there. Where was I? Okay, yeah, that better? There you go. That's, okay. that's good. That's, that's better. Okay. That's good. I was good. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm... T- 
I am talking to my tag team partner, my co-host, my wrestling buddy. He is, uh, you know, he's my best friend, but for maybe, you know, maybe a few days back in eighth grade when uh, he, he started dating a girl that I had a crush on at the same time. He was my greatest rival, uh, Mr. Travis White. <laughs> Just so that's about the only time I could think of you were my greatest rival there, buddy. But uh, well, it didn't last. <laughs> no, of course it didn't last. <laughs> Our friendship stood the test of time. Yeah, it, yeah, that uh, lasted. <laughs> I think I was your greatest rival either when I, um, you know, poured the dip spit on you when we were in a pretend wrestling match, <laughs> or when I uh, beat you with Chris Masters as, as CM Punk. You were CM Punk. I, I ruined your SmackDown World Title reign on. Uh, SmackDown vs. Raw 2010 or 11 or something like that. <laughs> fluke, fluke beat me with Chris Masters. <laughs> oh, it's no Fluke. What are you talking about? <laughs> the Master he Lock. He never beat me a wrestling game. The Master <laughs> Lock you Challenge. You beat my champion. <laughs> I couldn't get out of the Master Lock. It was unbreakable. Yeah, everyone my whole season and everything. I was, I was perturbed for a minute. I got over it. So it'll be all right. I'm a different man now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll be, uh, Oh, the young boy then. Yeah. In your <laughs> mid-20s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is like 12 years ago. <laughs> A young man. Of course. <laughs> Well, uh, we joke about all that because tonight we got a very special episode. Travis and I, uh, we've done, like I said, over 200 of these episodes of Talking Taker. We've covered his entire career. Well, tonight we're going to look back at The Undertaker's Greatest Rivals. We're going to analyze it. Travis and I, we've both ranked our top 10 Undertaker Rivals of all time. And uh, we may get into another shouting match. We may get into another feud right here because uh, our list could be very different. I'm sure there is quite a bit of crossover, but it'll be interesting to see where everybody ranks uh, the arguments that we make, you know, to, to defend our list here. I always enjoy doing these top 10 mm-hmm. lists with you. I think that these are some very fun episodes for us. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. We were talking before we start rolling here that, you know, I just kind of just didn't go back and do any research. I just laid down the top 10 out of my heart that I felt like jumped off the off the page to me and uh, out of my memory and uh, kind of went from there and then figured, figured them around and didn't want to didn't want to be biased by anything or reading anything or watching any uh, of our old episodes or listening. I just wanted to go through my gut after covering this man's career, the fine tooth comb over the last six years. Uh, what you know? What do I feel like are his top ten rivals? And some are going to be obvious, I think. So um, we'd be idiots not to have them on here. But it's interesting to, to know the number. I know for me, top three, top one was easy. Top two, maybe top three, but like maybe, maybe two through five. It was kind of like I don't know, man. They could be yeah. at, at certain times. Two through five could have been whatever. Um, and then after that, it was kind of easy. But like that, that on the cusp of number one was was difficult for me. What about you? Oh, absolutely. No, I, uh, I I think I sketched mine out. Maybe I did a rough draft a couple weeks ago, uh, and then I looked back on it, you know, the past couple days and, you know, switched some things around. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's um, – I don't know. What, what really, like wh- – what defines the great rivalry? What, what were some of the characteristics you were looking at as you made your list? Well, see, I had some other ones down there were, like, great matches. And I was like, man, that's awesome. But, like, the, the feud really wasn't – good and some was like matches we were at so i'm like oh, i want to put that but I'm like, i don't know man like that really if you, if you look at his 30 year career is that feud one is that rivalry one that you're like that defines him or that other guy so some of these guys on here it's like 
this feud defined that guy or defined that era or defined um, that era of Taker's career. But, but a lot of them, it's, it's down to the storytelling, obviously, and then the match quality, you know. Um, the match quality doesn't always have to be up there, but as long as the story is there, that's what I'm more motivated by, I think, so. That's interesting that you said maybe that rivalry defined the other guy in it, yeah. whether or not maybe, but it didn't quite make it there for Undertaker. I think that's an interesting thought and, and why some people are going to be left off of our list. Um, that's a good way to, uh, to point it out. But yeah, you know, it, you, you got to look at the matches themselves, but it's, it's also the promos. I think you're looking mm-hmm. at the length of time, ones that really spanned, you know, uh, you know, months, years, even versus ones that maybe were hot for just, you know, one pay-per-view or two pay-per-views or something, even if it might have been really great. Um, you're looking at people that really match up with Undertaker as far as the mind games go. Mm-hmm. You could really be a credible person who could go against them. So uh, a lot of factors going to play here. Uh, I'm very intrigued. I'm always excited to see what your list is going to be as well because you do always yeah, surprise me. Yeah, we, we share a lot of the same opinions <laughs> yeah, on here. We, we don't do. argue too much, but uh, you do always surprise me there with your list. So very excited likewise. to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before, but first. Yes, but first, we got to talk about our monthly Undertaker sightings. I don't know about some of these Undertaker sightings. It's almost like Ripley's, believe it or not. Well, I hope it's true. Uh, always a favorite segment here to do on the podcast. And as usual, the Undertaker sightings this month are going to be brought to us by our friends over at Manscaped, baby. That's right. And if your greatest rival is your beard or your nose hair, your ear hair, your chest hair, your body hair, let me tell you about Manscaped. They are going to be there to take down that rivalry, to bury it alive. Uh, we want to encourage all you out there in the Pod Street crew to join Travis and I as part of the Manscaped revolution and head over to manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping on everything in stock over at manscaped.com. Travis, summer's heating up. Your hair's getting longer uh, for the summer, but uh, are you you ready for Manscaped season here this summer? Bro, this is today. So we're going, as we record this, I'm going out of town to the beach in a couple, in two days from now. And so today I was trimming up the burns. Mm-hmm. My sideburns with yep, it. I, I turned my neck up with it. I had my wife say, hey, double check me and just kind of catch the other parts I didn't I didn't get to. I said, that's true love right there, baby. A woman that'll shave your neck. The back of your neck, I'm talking she about. She shaved yeah. it with this this bad boy right here? Use that bad boy right with there. With the light. Exactly. With the light. Dude. She shaved it in the dark. I'm just kidding. We didn't. Well, it's like <laughs> Paul Bear's dangerous. urn right here at SummerSlam 94. You <laughs> yeah. turn this bad boy on and like, feel the power, man. <laughs> the power. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I'm Manscaped ready. I got that. Got the neck cleaned up, the sideburns cleaned up. Got the chest hair cleaned up a little bit up here. Those of you who used to know me back in the day, it was just a hand coming out of here. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm good to go. All shaved, ready to go, man. Of course, we're talking. Season. We're talking about the lawnmower right here. Uh, that's what Travis used, and that's a, you know a low-key uh, underrated feature of the lawnmower. Obviously, uh, we know what you know what uh, Manscaped wants yeah. you to use it for. But right. the great thing about it is, like you said, you get that neck hair. You get your significant other to go back there with the neck hair, uh, you know, the chest hair, all over. Uh, that's what it's there for. You can use it in the shower. I did the beak too. Mm. Not with that, but the other one. <laughs> Dude, that's dangerous. <laughs> this thing is... My nostrils are big enough to put that in there, though. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> 
Of course, you are talking about the weed whacker. That's what you do yeah. for the nose here and the ear here. All of that could be yours as part of the performance package 4.0 with Manscaped. You get this uh, sweet travel bag. Uh, Travis, I'm sure you'll be Dig taking me. that to Hilton Head with Absolutely. you, packed with all your Manscaped gear. Uh, I know you'll be taking your Manscaped boxer shorts to Hilton Head. I packed as all well. six pair, baby. <laughs> all six. Today, yeah. I'm not wearing them. I'm not going to wear them the next two days. I don't want to dirty them before mm. I go. I yeah. want to wash them. So, yeah, taking yeah. all six pairs of the beach. That's what you got to do there. Uh, well, you know, you hear us talk about Manscaped uh, every every time you listen to the podcast here, but I, I wanted to expand that. You know, I, I know people might have heard everything that we have to say about Manscaped, but uh, there's a friend of ours that has taken us up, taken us up and used our code TAKEREASY. He got the Performance Package 4.0, so I reached out to him, uh, and he is one of the Undertaker. He, he hosts a podcast about one of the Undertaker's greatest rivals. Uh, not a rival podcast of ours. They're a friend of ours. I'm talking about Mike Prue from The Bottom Line wrestling cast i asked him uh if he would tell us about his experience using manscaped uh now that he's used our promo code he's picked up the performance package what he thinks about it uh part of this was because he texted me last month you know last month we covered mayhem in manchester here on the podcast and he said bro when you did the manscaped plug i thought you were going to talk about taking care of all that mayhem in your manchester and i said mm. They should be, How did I miss that? They should be paying you the big bucks, man. I know. <laughs> Better than anything I yeah. ever came up with. Mayhem in your Manchester. there. Oh. <laughs> How did I miss that? That's I'm cool. only on with those. I know. Ah, well, well, here's what he said, I, his review. He said, Talking Taker listeners, you've heard Alex and Travis promote Manscaped for months now. and They've been really funny and creative with their pitches for Manscaped. And I'd like to provide my own testimony to let you know they're not blowing smoke up your, well, you know what. Gotta keep it clean here, which is what these Manscaped products can do for you. Uh, Alex and Travis are giving you that great deal. 20% off your purchase with free shipping with the code TAKERESY at manscaped.com. I jumped at the opportunity, and I'm glad I did, as well as my wife, and I'll explain that in a bit. I ordered the Performance Package 4.0, and the price included our top notch in terms of quality. This included the Lawnmower 4.0, which came fully charged and ready to go upon arrival, which is true. True. I haven't even had to charge mine yet, and I use it you know, all the time. Um, comes fully charged. It's a great trimmer. does excellent job cleaning your parts unknown. The Weed Whacker 2.0 is amazing. I've been driving my wife crazy for a while with my snoring, and I used the Weed Whacker 2.0, trimmed my nose hairs, and boom, the snoring went away immediately. Dang. How about that? No. We cannot medically confirm that, but hey, right. that, that's that's the facts from Mike Prue right there. Uh, <laughs> he says, I bet you were thinking I meant my wife was happy about my clean parts unknown. Uh-uh! It was the nose hairs and snoring. Get your mind out of the gutter. In addition to the hardware, I received the crop preserver and reviver, the deodorant spray and toner to prevent chafing, and those have come in handy. They also give you a pair of top quality boxers. I think Manscaped throws that in so you can physically feel the difference in the products made on your dark side. As Mean Gene Okerlund said in regards to Brutus the Barber Beefcake at WrestleMania 4, what a package! And what a package this is. <laughs> Don't let this one slip by. It's well worth it. This also helps out Alex and Travis, so please consider the offer. Head over to Manscaped, use the promo code TAKEREASY. It's that simple, and that's the bottom line. So, that is not just me and Travis talking about it. That is another satisfied customer who has used our Awesome. Thank you, Proof, for that. That's awesome. Oh, Excellent. Outstanding. Dad jokes. Excellent puns. Very good. Thank you for the feedback. We love it. 
Be like Mike, manscaped.com, and use the code TAKEREASY for 20% off and free shipping your entire order. Boom. Uh, and, you know, that's that's really the highlight of our Undertaker signings this month, man, uh, yeah. is, is Mike's promo right there, because there's not a ton going on in the Undertaker. This is the first time in a while, and we haven't seen yeah. him on a podcast or an A&E show or anything. But, uh, Travis, you had a WWE sighting uh, where you got to watch three guys. I don't know. Uh, maybe, I, I think at least one of them is going to be on your list here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> three guys that did face the Undertaker in great matches, though. Well, you think you know me? <laughs> I might know you a little bit. Uh, you went to SmackDown Live a couple weeks ago to see that I awesome did. triple threat with Edge, Rey Mysterio, and AJ Styles. Tell us a little bit about the experience. Oh, it was a great, great time, man. It was in Knoxville, which is an hour and a half from where I am. So, uh, fortunately, I was at UT's basketball arena. So, <laughs> I had to go there. I haven't been to UT's basketball arena since 2001, I think. I went to Dave Matthews. So, it's been uh, a minute since yeah. I've been there. Been a while. But that was... Hey, it's Taker. Uh, it's this is a Taker adjacent story. I think I've told this on this podcast before. When we in 2000, 2001, we got there and went to the concert late on purpose because Macy Gray was opening, and so we went to eat at Wendy's and we actually saw a guy that has like, you guys want to ride to the arena? I got a limo. He had a limousine, and we were like, sure. We gave him like five bucks a piece. We all rode in a limo, and he was like, yeah, I had Undertaker and Kane in here last weekend. And we were like, what? He's like, yeah, WWE was in town. Or WF at the time. They were in town yeah. last week, and Thompson Bowling and I had Undertaker came. We're looking around. We're like, "This, this like stains everywhere, <laughs> and like plastic cups, and the ceiling's falling out." Like you did not have Taker and Kane, and he was like, "Yeah, it's Stone Cold and Taker and Kane back here." We're like, "Okay." So I didn't even mean to tell that story on this podcast again, but that just happened to come hey. up. So yeah, same place, twenty something years later. Yeah, I'm that, there. That could have been Undertaker in two thousand one with the dip cup. You could Yeah, it could have been. But anyway, uh, great night, man. I took a, a Trey who went to SummerSlam with us, the SummerSlam with us last year, and then my buddy Chase, the, who had in, never he's in the vlog, the SummerSlam. He's in the vlog, vlog yeah. yeah. And uh, Chase had never been to a live taping at all. This was his first, like he's been to house shows, his first WWE televised taping at all of anything. So big, big night for him. Uh, opening match it's interesting being there now because they actually brought ray and and aj out before their show goes on yeah because when smackdown came on fox it was edges edges pyro and they went on and they came in so it was interesting to see i was like what's going on right now but honestly yeah, they got the jobber um, entrance <laughs> right they did but honestly when you're there that night was packed with so much stuff to cram into that one night because roman came back and they had the triple threat and they had, the, they had two triple threats in the, the main event and they had a lot of stuff. Uh, Bel Air's, Bel Air's um, championship celebration. They had a lot of stuff to pack into that one night. And it was the first night of all the new call ups from NXT and from the draft. So a lot of stuff happened that night. But um, there's a really good reason that they did the way they did. But it was cool. Like, even um, when you're watching from TV, it's kind of weird when, like, a, a, a you know, say uh, AJ Styles comes out and then they cut to commercial and then you come back and the match is going or just starting. But like, honestly, when you're there, it's really fun like to do that. Cause then you got the guys in the ring the whole time. It used to be, there's nothing happening in the ring during the commercial break. And then the guys would come out. So it was actually kind of cool the way they do that when you're in the live setting. So I appreciated that. Yeah, but yeah, dude, sure. seeing edge, seeing Ray, cause I haven't seen edge since, I mean, well, I saw him at SummerSlam, but like we got to see him, you know, his last match for a championship yeah was his last match for championship yeah, yeah 20, when he when he had to retire the next you know, two weeks later so um it was a really big deal for me to see him going for a title and um aj i've never seen him live 
Uh, he's been there for seven years, and he was not it's at SummerSlam. And uh, he's one of my favorites. Uh, and getting to see him was really cool. And then Ray, um, you know, just Ray's always Ray. He's amazing. And uh, uh, there's a dark match, the Good Brothers versus the LWO. And Good Brothers Ooh. were playing the heels. You know, the, the, the crowd was hating Good Brothers, and they were playing perfect heels. But LWO is over so much. Dude. Yeah. So over right now. And Ray wasn't even out there with him. It was just the, the two guys. I don't know their names, but they were so over. Um, awesome. And then uh, AJ's getting a lot of heel heat from the Knoxville crowd. But uh, they wound up coming on his side by the end of the main event and everything. But anyway, it was just different. But um, it was fun, man. It was a fun night. A lot of uh, LA Night shirts. He wasn't on the show, unfortunately. But we yeah. did a lot of, yes, a lot of that. and got people <laughs> chanting that. I said, yeah, to about everybody when we walked out of the arena. And we were driving out of the parking lot. And I just rolled window down with going, yeah. And everybody's going, yeah. It was great. So, and then I have a, I have a two sweet update. You know, I, I, SummerSlam. I was gonna say you got to follow up on that. I got to follow up. So, a two. If you guys are following along, you know at SummerSlam, uh, Alex has video proof of it. We try to two sweet people whenever I see somebody in an NWO shirt, and you get about fifty fifty. I mean, you'd say probably about I'd say if that at maybe twenty eighty. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe twenty. Yeah, maybe twenty eighty. Because it's like guys that you're wearing it are like not ready for that but i'm like i'm all for it dude i'm ready for the two sweet you so anyway i was five for five with guys Whoa. in nwo shirts 100 percent, man batting a thousand and actually batting higher than that because two of the guys we did double two sweets oh, too so we were actually seven for five <laughs> that's, that's pretty some, good odds. that's some steiner math right there <laughs> scott steiner math yeah we were seven for five or two sweet now i will say there were two guys in an NWO shirt that I saw, but I couldn't get to. It was so crowded uh-huh. with the merch line. I couldn't get to them. So I guess that brings me back down to five and five. So okay. I couldn't get to them to even throw it up. But yeah, everybody, I was just like, too sweet me, bro. And they would give me to me. So, and in their defense, they were all a little older at my age or, or whatnot. So not a lot of young kids wearing them. So but it was fun, man. A blast of a night. Again, getting to see uh, AJ and Bobby. Bobby got busted open real bad. So oh, yeah. I'm surprised he went through the match. But um, fun night. Really fun night. I uh, had a good time, and yeah, hadn't been to SmackDown taping since you and I went in 02? Oh my gosh, 2003? 20 years ago? Well, last time I went to SmackDown? I think it was. Oh, wow. Yeah. Lots changed. So, lots changed since then. Yeah, <laughs> Rey 20 Mysterio years. was still there. He was there. <laughs> Edge probably was too. Or he might have been injured, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, he might have been, yeah. Yeah, anyway. Well, I think he was yeah. out. I think he might have been It's weird to think that Ray was on the show. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably the only one. Yeah. 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 But I mean, very lucky for you to have seen that match, dude. That's probably first time, last time, only time that match yeah. will ever take place because I mean, you probably could have said this ten years ago that ah, but I bet those guys won't be going for very much longer. But I mean honestly, these guys oh. they can't be going for that much longer. All three of those guys, honestly. You know, Edge cut that promo on social media saying you know, he's probably close to being done. I think AJ's talked about being close. Ray, yeah. surely he's close. So uh, pretty cool. That's probably the only time that match will ever take oh, place. Oh, yeah. I think so. And it was very special. I Trust me, I was holding it near and dear to my heart. And I got to see that match, man. And it was a very, very special night. So. Yeah, huge Very match. good stuff. And getting to see Roman in the bloodline again was, was awesome. That's just the best storyline they've got going. And it's just the, the wrinkles in that story are amazing. So I just love it. So looking forward to what's coming next for them. Very fun, man. Excited. I'm glad you were able to go. Thank you for that on-the-scene report there. Uh, like I said, not Taker hasn't been anywhere. He hasn't been doing anything. But I, I did want to mention, I saw this floating around social media, uh, uh, a 
didn't think I'd be talking about this, but Omas, uh, the giant, uh, uh, on, well, he was on the Nigerian Chris, giant. There you go. On the Chris Van Vliet podcast. And I did not listen to the whole thing. I just saw this clip, but, uh, not a fan of this guy at all. I don't, don't care for him. Don't care about watching him. But, uh, this clip made me still not a fan of him, but it did make me respect him uh, a little bit. And it, it heightened my, um, uh, interest in him a little bit because he was talking about how he, was a fan of the undertaker he really liked the uh big boot into snake eyes combo that of course we pointed out undertaker one of his signature combo moves and he actually reached out to undertaker and talked to him and asked him if he had permission to add that in his arsenal and undertaker gave him the blessing they show a clip of him doing it on mm-hmm. seth rollins at the last pay-per-view at backlash who were some of the big men that you looked up to when you were a fan growing up Oh man, I think I'll say Undertaker. The Undertaker and I, both, both, both on, you know, watching him in the ring and as an individual, I truly have great admiration for him. Um, Kevin Nash, uh, Razor Ramon, when he rests in peace, I, I truly miss him a lot. Um, because, you know, he, you know, I've had, you know, since I've been in this business, I've had the privilege of having such good mentors who would call me and give me advice. Um, we're also Mark Henry. Um, the big show, you know, those are, this is the guys, you know, that I've, you know, watched a lot of Kane and just try to take a little bit out of how they work and implement it to how I work, you know. A lot of people know this, but a lot of people see me do the snake eyes, big boot, it's that one of Taker's famous moves, you know, that everybody does, I just said, you know what, I think I know I've the right that I can do that with his permission, I was able to, so, you know, a way to honor people who I truly look up to. Uh, I just thought it was really cool because, like, it's not like he was using the tombstone or the choke slam right. or anything. Like, so he probably didn't even need to reach out to do something like that. But it showed me that he is a a fan, which I didn't think I even realized. I thought he's just like some guy they recruited, but like, turns out okay, maybe he's doing some research and he actually is a fan yeah. and appreciates things, and he knows enough and respects the business and respects taker enough the man yeah that he's gonna reach out before he does something like that and i was like you know what i, I really respect that and I, I respect him a lot more knowing that about him sure absolutely yeah you you shared that with me and i was like well that's pretty cool i still couldn't care less about the guy in, in the ring <laughs> right. i mean the bell rings and it sucks to me but uh yeah the fact that he did that as a human um is awesome, man. And Taker said, sure, why not? Like, I'm not doing it anymore. So, yeah, it was the snake eyes and we're on something ropes and hit the big boot. And it was great. And Seth took it like a chant, dude. That was a great clip. So, yeah, I, I, you got to respect almost or almost or whatever his name is for being able to, you know, to, to have the respect for Taker to do that. So, pretty cool. Uh, and you know, 15, 20 years ago, those guys would have had a three month program, uh, three pay per view oh, program heaven. against yeah. each other, too. <laughs> Without I mean, question. not even that long just a cut if taker was still wrestling right now yeah yeah three four yeah they'd be at every single saudi show it'd be taker and almost <laughs> as an attraction so casket yeah. match no doubt yeah Tri- triple long triple wide casket, <laughs> maybe uh well speaking of uh decades ago uh, i did think we could mention here lastly uh a match that we're not going to do an episode on uh but it is a match that has been it's definitely going to be celebrated and looked back at a lot this month. Uh, we actually did a special on it for the 20th anniversary. I'm talking yeah. about Hell in a Cell from King of the Ring 1998, Undertaker versus Mankind. It's the 25-year anniversary now. 
Uh, I think we covered it uh, on the 20 year anniversary saying, well, you know, we're not going to get to the 25 year anniversary. We're right. not still going to be doing this podcast, but uh, you know what? Here we are. But uh, yeah. I would encourage people to go listen to that. We did a watch along for that uh, and did running commentary for that match. But I think it is definitely, if not the number one, it's it's got to be in the top three most famous Undertaker matches ever. Uh, that that match, and just ask you, Travis, man, twenty five years later. Uh, what do you think the impact of that match is just on pro wrestling, on the Undertaker's career? You know, what is that match's legacy here in 2023? I mean, it's the standard bearer for Hell in a Cell, like it or not. I mean, unfortunately, I guess you could say because the bar was set so high. Again, your and I's favorite Hell in a Cell is the original, and that was our number one match of all time here. So, um, so again, this match is not in our upper echelon of them, but as far as looking at the business itself, like that raised the bar for WCW. It took ECW had to raise the bar too. And they were already raising the bar. So it just brought the whole business up to new, again, for better or worse. Um, it brought the whole business up to a new level. Like, well, crap, what do we got to do next to wow the people in the audience? And also it, um, it defined it, it helped turn Mick Foley into a babyface. Mm. You know, I mean, he was kind of already, he was, because just the month before, we would just watch that match with Dude Love, right? And Taker was on the outside and he oh, was a wow. heel. And stuff. Yeah, it is yeah, just a month before. Literally the month before. So that's yeah. how it feeds into that. So um, it's just, it turns, he gets sympathy and he's going to become a, a huge babyface and win the title in January of 99. So I think just, it, it was a turning point for him in his career and probably turning point backstage for him too. Because again, Glorified bump guy, glorified bump guy. That's all everyone ever said. And yes, that match showed that, <laughs> but it showed more because he came out multiple times and he came out at the end of the show to do what he didn't he didn't need to do. And so I just think it's a it's a it just raised the bar for better or worse for the business in and of itself. And again, it's iconic. Jim Ross. That's probably Jim Ross's most famous call oh yeah. yeah 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 I mean, it's iconic for him too yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. just the whole thing the visual the way it was shot with him it just it's all it's just iconic you know i don't know what do you, what do you think yeah no there's very few matches in history that will be remembered and, and looked back on uh as much as that one is you know that it's one of those like hogan and andre wrestlemania 3 I think Hell in a Cell, King, Undertaker and Mankind is one of those that, you know, is it, it overshadows any other Hell in a Cell? Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's not five stars. Not like At all. Hogan and Andre is not five stars, but the whole spectacle of it. Yes. Um, you know, Hogan and Warrior, same thing. Yeah, the moment mm-hmm. of it. It's one of those that's just going to be. 50 years from now, people will still talk about it and look at it, and it will probably still never be topped it is one of those like unless you actually kill somebody throwing yeah. them <laughs> off of the ring or anything like that you literally cannot top that and what else can you say about that take her hunger um, take her hunger guy and hell to sell <laughs> and, and it still wasn't it still didn't top this exactly uh, and, and i think it really um i know there were other I know the war wasn't over yet between WWE and WCW. You know, they still traded some ratings wins back and forth yeah. after this. But to me, I really think it was a you know a, a turning point, you know, a line oh, in yeah. the sand as far as wrestling fans because yes, WCW was still very popular and even 
couple months after this, they had Rodman and, and Malone and like, you know, you know, that made a lot of money and that was still very popular. And Goldberg won the title, you know, a few months later. But I think just the whole realism and the intensity yeah. of that as wrestling fans, like, yeah, there's no going back. Like, you yeah, know, it's still fun to watch basketball players wrestle uh, or Jay Leno wrestle, I guess. Maybe that's fun to some people, but I mean, I, some, I don't know if I'm really saying it right, but just WWF felt more real and intense and it's like oh, serious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas WCW was, you know, still could be fun, but you know, is it cannot match up to what the hell the yeah. cell uh, is. And it helped really cement that and really WCW never, you know, never reached that heights and, and right. no, no one has. So no, uh, I think that's part of its legacy as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you remember uh, where you were when you first heard about it or watched it? Well, I would have read the the spoiler or the results online that night and probably I'm sure you and I talked the next day about it cuz I don't did you did you watch it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we talked about it you know, cuz just and then I don't know on Raw that night they probably showed they didn't show the video clip. They probably showed the, you know, the aftermath and still frames. But yeah, I just, I remember reading it online and it's being like, what, like what is happening? He's dead. I just don't know. And, and then, uh, I remember getting the Eve of destruction DVD, uh, oh, the yeah. next year. And that match was on it. And along with the, uh, tag team ladder match from no mercy 99. Uh, and those two matches are two of my favorites of the nineties just because of the age I was and how, how they stood out to me. And, and did those matches, uh, put those, the, the, um, the opponents in, in the matches on a new level, you know, brought them up. I mean, this match, oh, yeah, put taker from just being you know he was a killer dude like after sure match, yeah. yeah i mean he'd already quote-unquote killed and dead and this and that ever like bury people like he was about to kill mankind and mankind took it all you know so it's put both of them and just raise their stock like i said for better or worse you guys jim ross he's like it's the worst thing ever because now how do you go back you have to kill someone to wow people it's true you know so you know it's it's a double-edged sword and i said this before i think i think mankind showed you know with mr sacco and with everything that came after this he still could be yeah sometimes you know that's probably what got him more over than anything but yeah it's hard to say that too because you know what would he have had that opportunity had he not shown yeah, this you know from hell to cell probably so not but you know he, he did show he could get over with comedy just as much yeah. as the insane spots but uh you know yeah. like i said we've got a great watch along for it in the archives I'll, I'll throw that up there at the top of the podcast feed as well i'll bump that up there for people to listen to here for the 25 year anniversary um i don't know if it's still on peacock but i know on the wwe network they had a whole mick foley stand-up special just mm-hmm. talking about hell in a cell uh i encourage people to go find that uh if it is still out there uh who knows you know what they're taking off streaming these days but uh yeah uh, that was very enjoyable and i'm sure there'll be a lot of other great content talking about that here for the 25th anniversary of that match but uh mankind definitely got to be in the conversation here and i don't think that's a spoiler to say here in our top 10 rivals uh where will he sit where will he go on there uh time will tell here as travis and i gather up our list we're going to go back and forth like we do on these top tens and give each other's lists and analyze them and talk about who deserves to be on there. Uh, I don't remember who started last time we did a top ten. Uh, I have no idea. You want to rock, paper, scissors? 
Rock, paper, scissors, shoot? Okay, let's okay. go. Rock, paper, paper scissors, <laughs> shoot. Just <laughs> 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 came out of the way. Okay, you call it. You call it. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> scissor me. <laughs> <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> Rock me. We both rocked it. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh. You got me. All right. Does that All mean right. I go first or second? I don't know. I guess it's your choice. I'll go first. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Top know. 10 Undertaker rivals. Like we said, we're factoring in everything here. I'm factoring in the longevity of it, the impact of it on Undertaker's career, uh, the match quality, the promo quality, all of these different things in there that's going into my decision. And I'll go ahead and say this, my, my number 10 pick, uh, this one is a sentimental one. Uh, this one is one that I squeezed in there because it, it means a lot to me. Uh, it's probably not it's on fine. most people's top tens list, uh, and I will uh, I would agree with that. But uh, it, it isn't on there for me, and it, it doesn't necessarily fit all those other qualifications because um, <laughs> it's, it's not a very it. long one. But it is an early one, an important one, and that to me, uh, if you've listened to me talk about this on the show before, you might know I'm talking about Yokozuna. Uh, he is Ooh, my number ten rival for the Undertaker, and I picked this. Uh, because it is sentimental to me. This is when I was really becoming a hardcore fan. And I think that's why it means more to me. It, it felt like a right. big deal to me at uh, seven and eight years old. <clears throat> Maybe it did to other people. But I do think Yoko was really, you know, besides Hulk Hogan, uh, I guess, was really the first guy that I think matched up to Undertaker. You know, you had him going through guys like Kamala, Giant Gonzalez, Nails, Papa Shango, whoever he was facing on house shows or whatever. Uh, but Yoko really matched up with Taker. They matched mm-hmm. up in the ring. They had better matches than they had any right to have yeah. in the ring. But he was that intimidating presence that could defeat the Undertaker. And it may have taken a dozen guys to help him do yeah. it, but he did put him in the casket and he did put Undertaker away for almost a year. Uh, and then of course, Taker comes back and, and they have their return casket match. Uh, but those matches felt like the first big Undertaker matches um, as a baby face. You know, he had the stuff yeah. with Logan, of course, but these were a big deal. Him in the main event against somebody who could go toe to toe with him, who was a, in huge intimidating presence. Um, and so that's why Yokozuna is number 10 for me. I couldn't rank him any higher, but uh, to me it was important to recognize him because it's a huge rivalry in my opinion. Oh yes, Jim Cornette, Fauci, I hear you're having problems with Yokozuna. He's scared of the casket. He's worried about Chuck Norris. Yokozuna, in January of this year, you and ten of the top superstars of the World Wrestling Federation sent me into a state of unrest. And the creatures of the night that I vowed never to rest in peace brought me back for one reason and one reason only. That is to destroy you, Yokozuna, and take your soul to the dark side. 
Dude, I knew he'd be on your list because of all the reasons you said, but I didn't know where. I didn't know how where he was going to rank for you. So you I'm can't rank him any higher because it's just the two matches. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. but you're right. Longevity and the whole the, the moment again, but the, the the ascension into the heavens or whatever, just all that is just those, iconic. So we've talked so many times about the those promos, promos building yeah. the casket. I mean, those are iconic and legendary. Yeah. Um, and so I was yeah. interested to see where that was going to fall. Yeah, I was spoiler. <laughs> he's not on mine at all. No, nah, I didn't uh, think he would be. But he was probably eleven. Like I was, I was catching people that mm. didn't quite make it, but he's probably number eleven for okay. me because of all the reasons you said. Um, so my number ten is actually kind of I don't know if this is cheating or not, but it's it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Corporation. It's it's that entity as and of wow. itself because so many guys he fed through to him to Taker basically, but just to to get him like guys you just mentioned, you know, and always wanting to get the urn and melt it down and this and that and the other and just you know Ted DiBiase is the one who brought him in the company but then he also feuded with him for a long time again not in the ring but with his cronies so i just felt like that was it played such a pivotal role in the early part of him be, of when taker's a baby face you know played such a pivotal role in those early years once he turns face uh just of defining who the character was and just getting him signature wins and signature matches over so that's i hope it's not cheap but that's my million dollar corporation slash ted DiBiase, just him in, of itself now that's a worried troubled look I believe Ted DiBiase received beads of perspiration forming on your forehead. You're really worried, aren't you? And tell us what it felt like, if you would. Tell us what it felt like standing there in the ring. Tell us what it felt like when you heard the voice, Ted DiBiase. Was it awe-inspiring? Did your heart flutter a bit, Ted DiBiase? Okay, McMahon, I was scared. I mean, the whole thing caught me totally off guard. I mean, all of a sudden... There's that voice. I mean, yes, that was the voice of the Undertaker. I brought the Undertaker to the World Wrestling Federation. But he was standing right there. I was looking at him. His lips weren't moving, but, but there was that voice. So how do you explain it? Just like I've explained everything else that's happened thus far, it's got to be Paul Bear. It's got to be another cheap trick on the part of Paul Bear. But what I do know is I have confidence in The Undertaker. I'm bringing The Undertaker to SummerSlam, and whatever goal, whatever thing it is that Paul Bear is bringing, The Undertaker will overcome. I see. Man, uh, I, I don't think it's a cheat, because I've got some things like that okay. on my list here <laughs> in a little bit. But, uh, dude, I, I had him in my list at one point, and I ended okay. up bumping him down, because... Yeah, like for a couple of year span, yeah. that is who Undertaker is feuding with. You know, yeah. it goes through IRS and Kama and King Kong Bundy, the Underfaker. It's all yeah. goes exactly. back to Ted DiBiase. Exactly. And like you said, you've got the tie from Survivor Series 1990, that tie in there. Um, for me, why I bumped it down is because those matches sucked. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> it was a long absolutely. rivalry, but uh, to me, it didn't... Uh, it, it ended up not being some of the best high quality stuff, but I, but sure. I think it it's definitely in the, it wasn't a consideration for me because yeah. of the span of it. Um, yeah, yeah, and the fact that Ted DiBiase was you know, intent on taking down the Undertaker, so he was yeah. kind of like the Emperor Palpatine behind this, like just pulling the strings of all exactly. of, all the different Vaders you know he had and stuff. I just felt like it just really warranted, you know, it, like it really was helped establish that character when he turned babyface. So, but yeah. It, matches were they blew. They were awful. 
awful. But yeah, I just felt the story was, was so important. Sure. So, yeah. No, I, I respect but Anyway. That. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Number nine for me is someone who uh, is he, Undertaker did face him in the ring, but it was more of an outside figure. And maybe this is a little low, uh, but I, I just couldn't slot him above anybody else. Uh, to me, number nine was Mr. McMahon, uh, Undertaker Ooh. rival. And I picked this because, uh, again, much like with Ted DiBiase, Mr. McMahon is a guy who tied in with Undertaker for a long stretch of time, sure. more on the outside than on the mm-hmm. inside of the ring. Although he did win the Buried Alive match to yeah. end the uh, Dead Man or the Biker Taker character and bring back the yeah. Dead Man. But sure. look at 98. Like, so mm-hmm. we, we all think of Vince versus Austin, but Vince versus Taker right is, is a huge part of that. We covered it on the cahoots. Over the Edge pay-per-view. Cool. Yep, they're in cahoots. <laughs> um, Ministry of Darkness. I mean, mm-hmm. that begins through Undertaker and McMahon, you know, burning under, burning Vince's teddy bear, uh, yep. kidnapping Stephanie, all that um, sure. stuff. Uh, and then fast forward to 2016 uh, with... Uh, oh shoot! I didn't think about that. Yeah, lockbox. The lockbox. Undertaker and Shane and all that. And I think that's why I had to bump it down a little bit lower. Is because there's such a big gap. There's really nothing yeah. there between 2003 and 2016. <laughs> if there was even just a little bit more of that, I probably would have ranked it higher. And also because when you think of Vince, you think of Vince and Austin. You don't think right. of Vince and Taker. Right. But as we watched it, it is huge. It is a big part of it. Um, one of my favorite things we ever did and, and saw, all, it, it happened so many times, it was like a running joke, was Vince would always uh, step up to Taker and like act like he was real tough and yeah. then uh, bow up to him and always yeah. eat a choke slam. Always, <laughs> yeah. you know. Just maybe you can get it right. I'd like to wish you the best of luck. You know why? Because I think the two of you are going to need it. Because as far as I'm concerned, it's like dealing with the handicapped. Uh Uh-oh. Easy. One's physical, and the other is mental. Oh, look at the look of that face. Good luck to you both. Wait a minute. Get your hand up, him. You need to watch your ass. Because the next time you get out of line with either one of us, you're going to be the one handicapped. And that I will promise. Mr. McMahon has been warned. When the biker taker debuts 
and he, he gets a choke slam on Vince, and Vince like yeah. just tries to shuffle away, uh, real scared uh, at that Judgment Day pay per view. That's a classic moment. So uh, someone who's intertwined there, uh, I think he's a bigger rival than a lot of people think about. Uh, that's why I put Mister McMahon at number nine. I can't fault you for that. It's good. He was my number twelve, honestly. Like <laughs> Yokozuna and Vince were number twelve and eleven for me, honestly. Okay. So uh, I just did. I I couldn't put them up there. But yeah, I, I didn't even think about two thousand sixteen though. I might, ah, yeah, that's good. I didn't think about that. But yeah, Vince is always there. Again, like you said, 98 is defined by Austin McMahon, but Taker is right there, dude. People forget about him the whole time, and he's right there in the middle of it. And that's how they build to the Highway to Hell match it culminates you know at SummerSlam so yeah absolutely I, I uh, and no we all know we all know their real life relationship too. yeah we yeah. saw that in the last ride series and it kind of bleeds into what they do on TV too yeah so yeah well my number nine is very similar to my number 10 it's a guy who's kind of always in the back pulling strings and having people uh sick of them on taker which actually goes back to his WCW days because this guy used to manage him this is Mr. Paul Heyman. Yes. So I got Paul Heyman. Uh, I'm assuming by your head nod, he's on your list somewhere, maybe. So we'll see. But uh, I just, again, he, let's name the guy. I mean, Brock, obviously, CM Punk. Uh, did, was when Big Show was with him, did he feud with him? I don't remember. Uh, uh, no. But Dudley Boys. Dudley Boys. I, I know, but again, that match, <laughs> those two guys were just a conduit to get, like, that was all Absolutely. and Taker. So uh, again, again, Brock and, uh, you know, Ever since Brock beat the streak, Heyman has rubbed that in. And then they had, when Brock was with him, you know, after that, too, when Taker came back. And it's just, I just can't not put Paul Heyman on here because it goes back to WCW when he used to manage him. And just the more we covered this, we were like, wait a minute, Paul Heyman is a guy he feuded with because he just had his cronies doing his dirty work for him. But like, the, the, the main feud would be with Heyman. So. Um, yeah, I just felt like he. I couldn't get through this top ten without Sam Paul Heyman. So, uh, well, I couldn't either. He's my number eight. There so you I go. just have him one slot <laughs> right. ab- uh, ahead of you. On April sixth, two thousand and fourteen, at WrestleMania, the streak will come to an end. And ladies and gentlemen, the streak will come to an end because it will be conquered by my client, the beast incarnate, Brock Lesnar. Uh, for all those same reasons, yeah, he is a guy pulling the strings and, and so much of his rise as the, as the premier manager and this, you know, he's still to this day one of the main characters on WWE TV, <laughs> you yeah. can tie that back to him managing Brock defeating the streak. You know, mm-hmm. that elevated Brock to who he is and elevated Paul Heyman too. Uh, exactly. you know, Paul Heyman's always been great, but that took him to another level as well. And yeah, that back to back years with him and CM Punk, uh, you know, going up against the streak, you know, he dressed up as Paul Bear. Paul Bear. Like, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And you know Paul Heyman just brings it every time he's he he yeah. makes something intense and believable. Even something as crappy as the Concrete Crypt, Paul yep. Heyman was able to sell it and get you invested in it, mm-hmm. uh, even if it didn't make sense. Even if it ended up being a, <laughs> one of the worst matches of all time, you know he yeah. brought the same intensity to that as he does to the Bloodline every single week. So Absolutely. yeah, I think you have to put him in the top ten. 
Oh, no doubt. <clears throat> no doubt. Especially as time goes on, you sit back and think about it. But <clears throat> well, that's your number eight. Well, my number eight is somebody who a lot of people probably have higher on their <clears throat> on their list. But this is somebody who uh, we just mentioned a few minutes ago. But this is Mr. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Whoa. I got him down here at number eight. Um, again, you can't – we've said everyone thinks of the attitude era and think of rock and – I mean, well, obviously, you think Rocky, Austin, Austin events, but Taker is such a big part of all those stories, like 97, 98, and he's right there. If he's if if the top two guys are here, he's right below. You know, whether it's Sean and Brett, whether it's Vince and, and Austin, whatever it is, he's right. He's he's the tier right below, helping facilitate that top story as well. You know, so um, but so I don't want to sleep on Taker's involvement in all this because. Again, it culminates in the Highway to Hell match and SummerSlam, which, again, we've talked about their actual matches on pay-per-view, Austin and, and Taker, weren't that great. Their Raw matches, house show matches, those were fantastic. Um, was it one of the highest-rated segments, one of their matches on, on Raw? Number yeah, one. D. Yeah, so, again, and Taker wins a title from him. Uh, was that his second title? Uh, uh, third. Third, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's just uh, again a forgotten time period. And but, all um, blends together. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I just I, I obviously couldn't not put Stone Cold, but he's a, he's he's a lot lower than some people might have him because it just I don't know their matches and their feud was just part of a bigger story. I felt like it wasn't really focused on them. So, well, we got some cool stuff with Paul Bear trying to cut Austin's pants off <laughs> in the morgue and all that stuff. You know, Time those to outtakes embalm him alive. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, so. All right. Stone Cold comes at number eight for you. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll get to him in a minute here for me. Uh, number seven for me, um, probably you know lower on my list than he is on other people's list. But gosh, it's just you know we're getting into the to the heavy hitters here. It, it's tough even at, at number seven to try to to sort all this out. But uh, number seven for me. Ah, went with Mankind uh, all the way down to number seven, but um, you got to include Mankind on the list mm-hmm. here. Uh, he was, we, we joke about it, commentary always says, oh, this is the first time we've ever seen Undertaker beaten like this. Uh, it's the first time we've seen somebody match up with him like this. Mankind really was, and, and he came in there in mm-hmm. 1996 and took Undertaker down like nobody ever had before. Ever. You know, defeating him, I think, Two, uh, two or three pay-per-views in a row yeah. um, dominating him like we'd never seen before turning the Undertaker's manager against him turning Paul Bearer yeah. against him because he was that strong of a force uh, and then of course they're tied together forever in history because of Hell in a Cell 1998 mm-hmm. and uh, honestly you know, I'm already thinking eh, maybe should have been higher and, you know, as I'm saying all those things and, and I guess for me I don't know. The only thing I could think of was just longevity of it. Uh, maybe is the only reason I didn't put it any higher uh, because it is a, a short period of time. And, you know, after that hell in a cell, they never faced each other again. Yeah. Um, and, and it would have been cool to see them really through the ages, do some more stuff. Of course, mankind, you know, his, his career, you know, he did wrestle a good bit longer, but, but maybe just as a part-timer. Um, but I mean, just incredible impact. Somebody who matched up against it. There was a whole great A and E special about their rivalry. Uh, it, yeah, it was that good on there. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I just had it at number seven. I, I couldn't put it personally against some of these other ones. Yeah, dude, this was the hardest part. Like the, like I said, the the, the almost a seven through two were the hardest, or seven through three were the hardest ones for me. It's just like, 
I said top five, but like honestly, probably seven. They, you could interchange any of these guys mm-hmm. on any given day. I'm like, in fact, I just switched two of mine and then switched <laughs> them right back because I was like, no, 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 don't second guess yourself. So I just switched my seven and six, but I'm gonna go back to my regular number seven. So uh, my number seven is somebody who's probably obviously higher on yours, but we higher on some other people's too. But this is Paul Bear. Okay, Paul Bear himself is number seven for me. So um, again, they never really had. I mean, they obviously feuded again, brought in Kane. Uh, well, the Undertaker. I mean, the Mankind stuff first, then brought Kane. You know, Vader had him against them. You know, and just the the story that we's back and forth, the on again, off again with Paul Bear again, another Emperor Palpatine type guy just pulling the strings behind him. So you, you got DBIC, Paul Heyman, and Paul Bear, all these kind of dark sits in the background, pulling you know, using their cronies to fight the, this honorable Jedi, you know, or whatever. So um, anyway, it's just. Uh, it's just very. Uh, I couldn't get to this list without putting Paul Bearer, even though they never had a one-on-one like, well, a pay-per-view encounter. They did have that. They had a crappy match on. No, who who Paul Bearer had a match with? Big, Big show. show, yeah. Big right. show. But um, yeah, Bear. Um, you know, you can't get to this without it. But there's so much to be said uh, for it. Taker wouldn't be Taker without Paul Bear. Um, uh, what's his name? Brother Love wouldn't have I don't know if this character would have lasted with Brother Love. So Paul Bear really put the icing on the cake, solidified this character as what it was, and then again just stabbed him in the heart, stabbed him in the back, stabbed him in the heart again, stabbed him in the back again. Just so much on again off again. Was he his dad? Was he not his dad? Who knows? <laughs> so much. You know, um slept with his mom, this weird stuff <laughs> happening. So uh yeah, gotta go with Paul Bear here. So Oh, you do have to and uh, he's um one of those things that makes a great rival in anything, in any situation, is that they were originally friends. And, yeah. and for, for whatever reason, the friendship splits. And these guys were basically family uh, to each other on screen. And to see their split just makes the rivalry even more intense and more personal. Number six for me, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's in your top three or top two even, but number six for me is Edge. I had to put him there because, you know, this one is shorter than a lot of other Mm -hmm. rivalries and it really only spans less than a year, but the quality of it outshines that. And this whole feud with Edge in 2007 into 2008, um, the first of all, the matches were fantastic. Some of the best matches Taker ever had, um, especially you know that late in his career. But yeah. we talked about this when we covered it all. This felt the most like the high, the best of the Attitude Era. Was this Undertaker Edge stuff? It took us back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, watching it on the show uh, for, for for the podcast was a lot. Of, first time I'd seen a lot of this stuff because we weren't. We, you know, we weren't watching hardcore back there in 2007, 2008. So I saw a lot of this stuff for the first time and binge watching it, I think made it even better to see it all take place, you know, get to watch it so quickly. But 
um, you know, Edge becomes this monster. He becomes this, you know, comic book villain. He brings in he La does. Familia, Vicky Guerrero, and all of that. And he gets these massive wins against Undertaker. He, and that's part of what makes a great rivalry too, is it wasn't one sided. You know, exactly. Edge was able to get the big win at one night stand and put Undertaker in his career, basically. Right. Uh, but then Taker comes back, you know, all the twists and turns. Edge basically turns into the Joker on TV. Uh, yeah. And Undertaker comes back, defeats him. And Hell in a Cell, um, but it was so personal, so good. It really elevated Edge. It, it really yes, helped to submit him as a main eventer. And I think I, I'm not saying that saved Undertaker's career because it didn't need saving, but like he hadn't been doing much 2006, 2005. Not much high yeah. quality. He had the stuff with Batista, which was great, but then this Edge stuff came after that and really boosted him and gave him an incredible run on top. So that's why I got Edge on number six. No, absolutely. And yeah, you're right. He's on my list coming up. So, um, yeah, you said outshine, man. And Edge that summer, dude, he was looking California, but feeling Minnesota because he was looking good. But, um, yeah, I mean, that whole thing, like the whole Batman thing to me, just the Joker and the Batman and Edge literally says he got part of his character from Heath Ledger's Joker that summer, which is funny because on Raw, Chris Jericho got his character from Antoine Chagor or whatever from No Country for Old Men. Also, with a little bit of Joker, too, mixed in there, just as far as the commitment to the character. So, again, those are the two storylines that defined Raw and SmackDown that whole year. And they're, to me, they're two of the best ones like, that, that Dirty's ever produced. I just love it. And they elevated all the guys in it. Sean was already a made man. Taker's already a made man. But you put Jericho, he'd already been a world champion, but you put him on another level on Raw. And this put Edge on another level on SmackDown. He'd already been world champion, too. But having that match and that feud and, and wins over Taker. You know, those um as a side note, there was an interview with Busted Open with John Cena last week and he was talking about how he thinks that Roman Reigns is better than him because when he would feud with people, of course everything is as well I, I bury people, I bury people. He's like, no 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 I didn't bury people but when they would get, get done feud with me, I didn't elevate them necessarily. Because I'm not burying them but like my character was built to just keep going, keep going. He said, but look at what Roman Reigns has done in the last three years. You had all these new guys main event WrestleMania with the bloodline and Sammy and KO, you brought them up to main event. They could main event any house show anywhere in the world wow, and be yeah. that, you know, you brought up uh, uh, Daniel Bryan and edge, you know, like the main event WrestleMania is Brock again, like you, but he's brought up these guys in the bloodline, brought up all these ancillary characters. that wouldn't have been main event now, yeah, you know, yeah. solo Sokoa as yeah. well. Put Drew McIntyre, help put him, uh, solidify him as a main, like just all these guys he's gone against Seth on a bigger stage too, but just, Look at all these guys you brought up and made bona fide. When the storyline's done, Jey Uso could be a main eventer at the end of this. Sammy and KO can now taken seriously. He's like, I never did that. I never did that at all. He's like, and, and so Roman is greater than me. I'm saying that to all to say that this storyline with Edge, Taker put Edge on that on that upper echelon. Absolutely. In my opinion, it helped put him yes. on that, and he got to main event against his, his boy Taker, you know, and was going to be offered to win, and he said no thanks. So yeah, <laughs> um, obviously it's coming up later for me, but yeah, I, I kudos to putting that on your. It's got to be on this. Has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number six for me is uh, Luther Reigns. No, oh, of course. <laughs> Speaking of Roman Reigns, <laughs> Uncle Luther. No, it's uh, it's the the game Triple H. Oh, okay. you know. Um, so the only three-peat opponent for for Taker at Mania, right? He had two with Kane um, yeah. and had three with Triple H. Um, all three fantastic matches. We were there for the middle one. Love it. Still 
match the night for me. I absolutely love it. But just they from from helping create DX on accident, kind of. Um, Taker had a hand in that. You know, he did um, with the storyline to just the way they the whole. 97, 98, 99, the way that all flowed in each other, their careers just kept crossing paths. And then you get 2001 with the, the matches. At X7, you get the 20, 27, that great match, the way that Taker won the match, but Triple H walked out. They had to finish the story the next year, how it all culminated in that Hell in a Cell, piggybacking off of the matches with Sean and everything. It's just, I just, I love it, man. And, and again, those two guys sold a match at WrestleMania without saying one word. Name me two other guys have ever done that. Ever. You can't. You can't. So, yeah, that was uh, incredible. And, again, um, their matches, I appreciate them so much more now looking back on them uh, than I did at the time. But they're so fantastic. So I got to go with Triple H. And then, you know, it continued on into uh, the Super Showdown, SmackDown Under, <laughs> and uh, Crown Jewel, of course, which we have uh, committed to talking about here uh, yep. <laughs> later this year. But yeah, dude, I mean, Triple H, um, some of the best Undertaker matches, some of Triple H's best matches, period, as well, against Undertaker, um, yeah. and their careers are intertwined with each other, without question. Uh, number five. Yeah. Number five, top five for me. Uh, I went with someone you had a little bit lower. I went with stone cold, Steve Austin as my number five. Uh, like you said, the matches didn't always live up to the hype, but the hype for some of their matches was off the charts. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before that highway to hell storyline with stone cold undertaker. One of my favorite builds to a match of all time. I love it so much. And I believe we did the numbers and these guys faced each other more on pay-per-view yeah. than anybody, which is uh, either of their own opponents, which you, you forget about. Um, the, and, and I think that's why I, I put it lower uh, because it's sometimes even as great as it was uh, and as important it was, you don't, you, it wasn't always the best for either yeah. of these guys, but it was hugely important. And, um, you know, we think of Austin and Rock, but really Austin and Taker carried so much of that stuff through 98, 99, mm-hmm. and then into the Biker Taker, into the Invasion, you know, the, yeah, the, the uh, um, Brothers of Destruction against the uh, two-man power two-man trip. Power trip. I mean, yep. that, that carried things. And then into 2002, they were gonna, they faced each other again uh, in uh, uh, with Ric Flair as the referee. Yep. Um, and they probably could have had more you know it's a shame that austin's career ended the way it did because i could have seen these guys fighting again into 2003 2004 2005 however austin's career probably could have gone another few more years uh if he'd done things a little bit differently but um i wish we could have seen even more of it uh, because they deserve to have even more time with each other but the ones that they had were intense were incredibly um epic like you mentioned them you know setting the cable ratings record for yeah. wrestling with their match against each other. Um, so many awesome moments and pro promos and stare downs. Uh, it's hard to match up with Stone Cold Steve Austin when he was running as hot as he was, but the Undertaker yeah. could do it. So that's why I've got right. Stone Cold as my number five. So tomorrow night on Raw, Austin, I will take your mind, your broken body, and your wretched soul and I will present it to him as the ultimate gift. And along with the entire world, 
you will look into his eyes and you will see your future. And at that moment, you then will realize that he is your Lord. He is your Savior. And from that moment on, he will forevermore be the guiding light for whom you follow, Austin. May he have mercy on your wretched soul. <laughs> <laughs> well then I'll tell you this you can have my mind you can have my broken body but you can't have my soul or my beer because I'm going to put this soul of my boot in your ass and when I get through putting the soul of my boot in your ass I'll be drinking beer all night long and that's the bottom line there you go top five man no doubt uh my number five is somebody you already mentioned it's mankind you know i just had him up there uh again the matches in my opinion were triple h are better but the, just the the story with mankind just the way he came in and immediately got thrust into the spotlight and beat taker the, the first time and you know I've, we've talked about it that they was told the taker should win taker said no like if i win where do we go from there so mm. You know, take her going to bat for Smart. him and, and, and making that last longer uh, is great. And it, it really um, – I just kind of love the, the screw it was to Vince where he, this guy got over. You know, it was supposed to be a screw you to, to Jim Ross, but Taker helped Mankind get over. You know, and as far as the second month he was there, he's been, been against Sean, right? I mean, it's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, then, you know, it's only a two-year run, 96, 98, when they actually faced. But just iconic moments. That boiler room brawl, again <sighs> – we joke about it and how you watch it on your substitute teacher's TV when you're in the arena. But like, but we went back and watched it the other day, or uh, talking about it with the um, the A and E biography or whatever yeah, it was yeah, yeah. on it. Just, just how game changing that was, you know, um, at the time, and just it really did change a lot of things in the business and open up the just open Pandora's box for what was available, you know, to come next. So I just a lot of iconic moments, but yeah, good stuff right there. Oh, Here's absolutely. my number five. Number five. It all seemed like such a shame. We engaged in some of the most brutal contests this sport has ever known. But I couldn't help feeling that when it was all said and done, The Undertaker never really knew me at all. Oh, I know him and his fancy cars. Posh hotel rooms. But do you know me? Do you know what it feels like to sit on an airplane with the stench of your own charred flesh and your nostrils for 14 hours? Because I do. And it makes me sick. I probably should have had him at five instead of Stone Cold. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's a great choice. Uh, he, he deserves to be top five, no question. Uh, number four for me, someone you had earlier on your list, I had a little bit higher, Paul Bearer. 
is my number four Undertaker rival. And, and like I said earlier, what makes a great rival is that personal issue, that personal connection. Doesn't get more personal than the relationship between Undertaker and Paul Bearer. I mean, he raised him, worked in the funeral home with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he had relations with his mama uh, and sired his half-brother, Kane. Um, but just that the, the turn from... Uh, on him at SummerSlam 96 it, it was so shocking so out of nowhere so devastating and um, uh, I mentioned we were talking about that like that in, in someone else's hands that could have been like you know a three month program like he turns heel he brings somebody against Undertaker he loses and then he's gone but Paul Bear yeah. was so good that he mm-hmm. kept it alive he didn't only bring in Mankind he brought in Vader yeah um, Brought in the executioner, executioner unfortunately, yeah. and uh, then hey. just carried that rivalry with Undertaker with these promos throughout 1997, building up Kane, brings Kane in, and, and you know helps Kane become a Hall of Fame character in his rivalry against Undertaker, um, and then we see the rivalry ignited yet again in 2010 when Paul Bearer returns briefly uh, to manage Kane again. So, so I love yeah. that that it came back full circle, came back around again, uh, at, you know, a decade later after that. But um, so many memorable moments, so many memorable promos. Paul Bearer, uh, per, uh, um, you know, William Moody, the man, really elevated it and brought it to another level yeah um and to to be able to turn that one of the he'd be on the undertaker's greatest allies list to be able to turn that into one of the greatest rivals you have to put him there near the top oh yeah absolutely no doubt man so that's number four number four for me right my number four who uh is so man see four and golly four and three for me it's just so hard i just these top ones are tough but uh, this is a guy who, this is the guy who, uh, the next big thing who ended the streak, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. You know, he's my number three, he's my number four. So, um, you, you could ask me tomorrow, he could be number three. I don't know. But yeah, just, uh, first of all, he ended the streak. Enough said. Right there. I mean, whether you agree with it or not, there's only one guy who ended the streak. Now, yeah, Taker lost again to Roman Reigns, the guy who probably should have lost the streak too, but doesn't matter. You only get one chance to lose, to uh, defeat the streak. Brock Lesnar got it. Um, just solidified him as, you know, the guy in the WWE. And uh, he's only gone on to bigger and better things since then. But uh, Brock is in the next year. And in 2002, dude, there's, oh, I mean, yeah. Taker put Brock on the map with those, the Hell in a Cell and the biker chain stuff the next year. And just helping get this guy really, because he saw him as Vince's next, the next big thing. Unfortunately, Brock took his ball and went home, you know, and then came back 10 years later. But, you know, at, Taker's a business guy. And he saw this guy is going to be it for the face of the company. They thought Brock over Cena, obviously, because Cena wasn't really there yet. So, um, wasn't really the guy yet. So, Brock, uh, be interesting to see if he stayed back in 2004, what his career would have been. But, um, yeah, Taker, getting that win over Taker at No Mercy 2002, standing up there bloody on top of the cell, just, I mean, that's one of our favorite matches dude mm-hmm. like it's so good you know and uh yeah just all the stuff 13 years later in 2014 and 2015 and just great great stuff and they always had good matches they had good chemistry taker could sell for brock brock would sell for taker two guys that don't sell for many people because they don't their characters don't warrant it but uh yeah again just he ended the street dude so what needs to be said <laughs> 
Well, uh, I'll say a little bit more because he's my number three right, right, right. now. I got him on there for for you know all your same reasons and uh, I said earlier what makes a great rivalry is that it's back and forth. Well, mm-hmm. you know sometimes when when you're talking about the, the the Undertaker's rivals, what made Brock a great rival was that Brock was so dominant and yeah early on and Undertaker really just got that one win at SummerSlam 2015 where he, you Which know was kind of fluky right kind of fluky but you exactly you had the one guy who Undertaker just couldn't get over the hump and defeat uh, and so you were just pulling for him and, and, and needing him to, to, to mm-hmm. overcome this monster to get that monkey off his back and finally defeat Brock and that's nobody what else Brock a rival oh, yeah yeah nobody else could put Taker in a situation nobody else was believable enough character wise maybe Kane for a while but like that not but no that was already done in 98 you know yeah. so you know the only guy that's ever put Taker in such a dire situation that he you know he never really got the the actual clean win over him was Brock it's crazy you knew anytime whether it's 2002 2003 2014 2015 you know anytime they put these two guys on the marquee it was gonna be a banger uh, it was gonna be uh, a main event level quality match. You know, it was gonna be important and memorable. You yeah. know, even their worst matches are still really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even with Undertaker concussed throughout their WrestleMania yeah. match, uh, they still are able to hold it together. And yeah, I mean, that is the signature moment. The signature defeat of the Undertaker's career comes at the hands of Brock Lesnar. So you have to consider him as one of his greatest rivals to be able to steal the streak away from him. He's the greatest villain and there are still (laughs) many Undertaker fans who legitimately hate Randy Turco can't watch that match. <laughs> well, they, they hate the fact that they stole the streak. So how could you yeah. not consider him one of his exactly. greatest rivals? Uh, I think you exactly. have to put him right there. Yeah. When you get shoot angry and yes. stay angry for yes. 10 years over it, yeah, that's that says something. Yeah, well, my number three is somebody you already said. Again, probably a little too high for some people, but it's my list. This is Edge. You know, I just, 2008 was defined by those two. And again, I have a soft spot for this just because I love both guys. And I just, once we went back through it with a fine tooth comb and I got to watch the actual storytelling of it and the little nuances, the small things, that promo where Edge sat on the outside and they shot him from like the rampway. Remember that? He sat, that was just incredible, incredible work. And again, I missed in 2008. I wasn't watching smackdown really because to me smackdown sucked but i didn't know what i was missing and know i was missing how cool this storyline was you know um it's so good that's the little things and just how crazy edge goes and yeah he gets he gets definitive wins over taker too and then just it's back and forth and it's just it's just so good i, I could talk all day about it but edge is is my number three again ask me tomorrow maybe brock will be i don't know but whatever <laughs> but edge for right now edge is number three and i'm gonna stick with it so what's the matter vicky you look a little nervous, right? Is it is it finally dawning on you that the person you need to worry about isn't the Undertaker? You want to put me in a hell in this cell with the Undertaker like it's some form of punishment? Nick Foley, 
was granted. This, this, this is the edge. This is the edge that needs to step in the hell in a cell with the Undertaker. to take me down well i'm gonna pull the undertaker down to hell with me no i, I figured he would be and again that that high quality even if it's over a short period of time uh, and the memorability of it the callbacks and mm. just the callbacks and so mm-hmm. and then batista match and stuff too like the callbacks too with it is oh it's just so good it's so good yeah storytelling one edge is so edge is perfect at that he's yeah. always been he's the perfect that. heel yep okay my number two 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 and one let's get through there two guys we haven't said well all right this is my most controversial take right here and uh, some people are gonna think it's cheating okay i don't think it's a cheat because i'm not saying it's a tie i think if i was saying this was a tie i think that would be cheating but it's not I'm, I'm doing these two as a unit right here. Okay. I'm going to try to explain it. You, you, you can call me out if you think this is BS, but my number two rival for Undertaker is DX. Undertaker, or excuse me, Triple H and Shawn Michaels as a unit. They're, because I think their rivalry spans their connection with each other. Sure. And, and I think that's solidified by, you know, the the four match series it ties mm-hmm. in both of them there at the end it's sean and hunter against the undertaker inside hell in a cell sean's the referee but it's sean and hunter against yeah. the undertaker inside the hell in a cell and the whole rivalry is building towards that and then again in saudi arabia what is it it's dx versus the brother of destruction it's the it's it comes together full circle to that moment so we even we we learned when we were doing the podcast dx formed their unit right. formed because sean was afraid of the undertaker getting revenge on him from SummerSlam 97 and so that's exactly. why he has to get back up and that's where dx forms we have these incredible matches with sean michaels uh and then the incredible matches with triple h after that um but I think when you combine those forces together, when you take it as a whole, their whole rivalry as a story, to me, I couldn't separate the two of them. I didn't do it as a way to get more people on my list. I really thought, <laughs> I think the rivalry is Sean and Hunter. I think that's what makes it so deep and so powerful. Um, and that's why I went with DX as my number two choice. So if I get heat for that, you know, call me out for it, but uh, that's what I wanted to go with. Hey, I didn't think about that. So I put him on separately because my number two is HBK. So, okay. yeah, I, I agree with you there. It had to be that, you know. Um, yeah, I put him in separately. But, yeah, just uh, all the reasons you said, you know, just intertwined. Again, Sean, I guess mine are separate because just Sean and Taker only faced five times one-on-one. And every time was a <laughs> Every time it was a match. Even yes. the Ground Zero match that didn't have an ending is – incredible incredible storytelling uh just the stuff that they were involved with too think of SummerSlam uh with was it Brett and yeah with Sean's the referee you know it's just oh and just the chair shot and all the things like it just it all goes together Sean and him just have the best matches uh my favorite match of Sean's and Taker's is Hell in a Cell 97 our favorite match of Taker's career so I just put Sean on there as number two. Like I didn't think to combine it, but I can 
completely agree with you. I do not hold it against you. Don't think you're cheating. I completely see <laughs> how all of that is intertwined. You could put Sean and, and Triple H there at number two. But yeah, we're great minds. We're both, we both got Sean there at number two. So. The Undertaker, through no fault of my own, made this personal a long time ago with Triple H. And then he put me in a position where I had to make a choice. He wanted to know between him and Triple H who I thought was going to win, who I believed in, who I stood behind. For the love of God, I can tell you I have nothing but the utmost respect for The Undertaker, but I am telling you, any day of the week, twice on Sunday, I will pick my best friend, over anybody on the face of God's green earth. Which means number one is obviously Big Show. Obviously Big Show. I mean... So, or Ken Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Hey, somebody on Twitter <laughs> shouted out Mr. Kennedy as an outside oh, shot golly. to make it on the list. Um, man, uh, yeah, of course, yeah, both of us, number one. We it's would gotta be doing be, a disservice, yeah. It's gotta be, Kane. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, exactly. uh, tell... Talk to me about it in comic book form. What, how would you compare The Undertaker and Kane's rivalry? Oh, man. It's – oh, golly, dude. I don't know, man. It's, I it's think you mag- called it – I do. Okay. Oh, go ahead. I, I think you called it Thor and Loki in the past. But, uh, yeah. You it's can very Thor say what Loki. else you were going to say. I was going to say Magneto and Xavier Woods. Ooh. Or not Xavier Woods. <laughs> Professor. <laughs> the classic rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> and Xavier uh, no Thor and Loki's better. yeah as a and Professor X but actually they're kind of two sides of the same coin uh, it's better yeah like I said Thor and Loki these brothers that are on again off again uh, they work so well together they work better together than apart but when they're apart they're their greatest foe they are Thor cannot match up with Loki Loki cannot match up with Thor I mean they just they, they're one up each other all the time and it's just but eventually you know, the older brother wins, you know, like Thor does mm-hmm. and like Taker does. But yeah, I think that's the best representation of it. Not Xavier Woods and Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new day. Uh, but yeah, dude, it's just, it is, this storyline is everything you want in a comic book. It's, 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 I would love to see Joker and Batman. I mean, there are times when they, they team up and they have to, you know, based on things. But like, Taker and Kane teamed up because they're both. They got on each other's good side. But yeah, I think Thor and Loki's the best representation of it. And it's just amazing. It has so much depth. We always talk about wrestling. It is so popular for guys. I love great matches. I love great matches. I love great matches better when they have a story to them. I can love a bad match if it has a great story. Again, Taker and Kane from WrestleMania 14 is not a bad match, but it's not my favorite. But the story of it, the way it took three tombstones to put Kane down, and he still kicked out at mm. 3.1, is incredible to me. And it's not lost on me, just the little nuances that go into it. You can't have, you, there would be no Kane, literally, without The Undertaker. So, and both these guys took these careers and took these characters to the next level, and neither one of them should have lasted as long as they did, but they made them. And it was one of those that was one-sided for a long time. Yeah. Undertaker always getting the upper hand on always. Kane. But yeah, Kane actually got the upper hand. He, their last match with each other, Kane, was victorious. 
three in a row, right? Yeah, yeah. Of course, they went on to have tag team matches sure. with each other back after that. But the last singles match, Kane got the win there. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what is the original rivalry in history? Kane and Abel, two brothers. That's right. Man, that's, the first, that's right. That's the first rivalry in it history. And, and that just, that is the you know, the most basic rivalry you could think of two brothers yeah. against each other. Uh, you don't have that with your brother, thankfully, but I mean, that, that is the most like basic story you could relate to. Uh, the no, most absolutely. intense rift you can have is a rift between family. And it was so brilliant mm-hmm. of them to come up with this brother of the undertaker character. Uh, and so perfectly portrayed by Glenn Jacobs to turn it yep. into something that didn't last just six months, but went on to become a hall of fame gimmick for him. Um, they built it up so well at first where they undertake a wood night fight his brother. And yes. they uh, looked like they were going to be on the same side at first, but then yes. they, they went apart and, you know, they, they could always go back to that well with Undertaker and Kane, no matter when. And they did many times, you know. They could go back to them as partners. They could go back to them as rivals. Uh, and it was always going to draw money. It was always going to work. It was always going to always gonna pop the crowd when the Brothers of Destruction united with yes. each other, man. it was, yes. And that's why you know they're great rivals because of how excited the crowd gets when they finally put the rivalry aside and team Just up like with Thor each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like Thor and Loki. Yeah. Just like Thor and Loki. I love it, man. Do you remember when it all began? When you saw me again for the first time, the look in your eyes told the story. It was the story of an older, self-serving brother who was obsessed with the pride of keeping the spotlight all to himself and keeping me in his shadow forever. Everything that I did in those early years, you were able to overcome. Instead of destroying your legend, I made it greater. When you set me on fire, I knew that it was my influence that pushed the dark side to the limit. It took your little brother to separate you from your last vestiges of humanity. It was... Your most magnificent moment. That's when I knew what I had to do. That's when my master plan was set in motion. Uh, I think, I think you could make other cases for people other than Kane. And, and uh, I've got some Twitter comments to read well, fr- from some of our followers. I think you're wrong. If you, make, if you say anybody other than Kane, I well, think you're wrong. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but you can try, but you're wrong. You can try. We appreciate your opinion, but you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being a heel right now. Yeah. Uh, but before I read those, man, um, you, you mentioned some honorable mentions. Uh, I was going to say someone that didn't make our list. I, I was going to save it in case he made your list, but I think my number 11 was Batista. Uh, it, it was really yep. between him and Yokozuna. Uh, I think probably most people would say Batista belongs on the list. Like I said, I had sentimental reasons for putting Yoko on there. Uh, I think Batista 
again too short of a rivalry yeah but there. the matches were I mean, great he was a true we were there equal. for one yeah. oh yeah he was a true equal to taker it elevated batista you know put him on the map their matches against each other so i wouldn't be mad if anybody put him on their nope. list i had him on there at one point and took him off and and yeah he scratched off right here batista scratched off <laughs> i couldn't see it but there he is scratched off anyway. yeah, i can sort of read that yeah, whatever. Yeah, is on. Is on. But um, yeah, Batista's on there. And again, I just think for me, uh, the length of it—it it was just that one. Yeah, and Randy Orton. Some people might say too. Yeah, there was um, a whole rivals episode for Randy. Yeah, Orton. but uh, again, it wasn't it, uh, Randy Orton. Now I'd love to see Randy Orton twenty sixteen on versus the Taker. That'd be god yeah, so good. But yeah, it didn't do it for me back then. Um, but yeah. Well, you had an interesting question you were uh, saying we could bring up here uh, towards the end of this earlier. What was that? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, what are some guys – we don't want a fantasy book. Like, uh, look, Let's not say guys like Sting or something, but let's just okay. go like guys that actually in the WWF with him that he may have wrestled or didn't, but guys he kind of had a one-off of. But we always covered his pay-per-views and his pay-per-view rivalries. Maybe some guys that he just had a one-off with or a small, you know, small feud that never really – got to the next level like what are some guys that you think like could have been could have probably made top 10 just thinking back on it like man if they'd have had a chance to really get that ball rolling i'll i'll, I'll just start with this i'll say ultimate warrior like oh, okay. a feud of his early on yeah. we didn't really get to cover because it wasn't on pay-per-view we talked about it later on in superstars and stuff but like imagine if that if that ball would have got rolling even though it would have been one-sided probably because taker was a heel at the time it was just starting, and 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 Warrior was. It was like I could just imagine the promos that would have come from that on both sides, dude. Both sides of the microphone would have been incredible, dude. I just think that would have been something more iconic than it than it was. Oh yeah, no, we certainly got the teases for it, but it, it never got on pay per view. Yeah, it could have been a lot more. That's a great choice, man. Somebody I thought of uh, when you first said that was uh, Vader. Like yeah. I, I wanted that to be so much yeah. more, and if it was like 1993 or 94 or three, yeah. Vader from WCW, and he was booked that way against, uh, you know, 96, yeah. 97 Undertaker, the matches, the the heat those two guys could have had. Um, Bray Wyatt, you know, it. it Thank you. That was my next. A point. different again, another. They crossed each other at the wrong point in history, yeah. man. But. Uh, that should have been and could have been in another world, another universe, something that, you know, was iconic and legendary. Yeah. I think those two. And I think John Cena had like, this oh. just so weird. Like they had the one main WrestleMania match and one other match earlier on. It's just like, it's so weird that as big as Cena was, he was the face of the company. Ian Taker never had like an epic rivalry and it's just crazy. But I think that, um, had cards played out differently, Cena would have been Taker would have been Cena one of Cena's biggest rivals, or vice versa. You know, that. I'll throw in CM Punk as well. Like mm-hmm. if he, they had their rivalry in 2009, which yeah. was not good, but then you know it just lasted a month that that build up into WrestleMania 29. If they could have replicated that and kept that going, and had Punk kept his head on, 
wasn't all Punk's fault, but you know, it, it, it had Punk's relationship with WWE not soured so badly, mm-hmm. and he'd have been around for a few more years, and him and Taker could have kept that going, or they could have brought that intensity to the, the 2009 promos. rivalry. I mean, yeah. dude, that would have been probably top five for me. Oh right? yeah, uh, because you know that build up alone in the Mania 29 could almost boost you into the top ten list. Exactly, and they got handed that because Paul Bear passed away and yeah. it just played in their hands. So yeah. yeah. That's really, I mean, those guys right there is yeah. really all I've got, you know, as far as just, I, I think there are some others that, um, you know, we could throw in there, you know, an RBD or an Eddie, if Eddie got changed, or Jericho. Mm. Again, they never got Jericho. Like, Jericho's a good one. Never, yeah. Jericho's probably the next one we should say, you know, like what? It's just, it is insane that they didn't feud. Like, it is insane. But, because uh, that, those matches would have been good. Just, you know. Both the promos, come on. Epic storytellers. Both those guys yes. love stories. And again, they had the best two stories in 2008 on separate brands. So imagine yeah, if they had they a chance could've... to do that together. Mm. It would have mm. been great, dude. So yeah, I think Jericho's the last guy we, I, I need to say, you know, as far as doing that. But what well, what could have been? You know? Yeah, well, we'd love to hear from you, everybody out there in the Pod Street crew. Uh, hit us up at Talking Taker on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tell us, you know, of course, tell us what you thought of our top 10 list. Who do you agree with more, mine or Travis's? Share your top 10. Share with us your top 10 rivals. We would love to see them. Uh, we would love to read uh, who your top 10 Undertaker rivals are. And then share with us. Um, you know, who are your best might've been rivalries, you know, with Undertaker or somebody he did face once or twice, or maybe had a TV feud with, but didn't quite have enough time, but had it, it could have really matured into something that belonged on this list. Yeah. No, I thought it was something, but then I was going to let it go. But yeah, let us know. You want me to read the WWE <laughs> no, list real quick? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I went back and looked up the WWE. Okay. And just Taker's greatest rivals, and this was from 2013. So I don't All know right. if it's been updated since then, but let me just read this. Is top 15. All right, number 15 is Diesel. That's one Ooh. that could have gone bigger and better. Okay. Their match was awesome. All right. Uh, number 15. This is 2013, so just take the last 10 years off your mind. Ah, okay. Um, Diesel, Jake the Snake was 14. Oh. Big Show was 13. Mm, yeah, I mean. Vince, Vince is 12. Yokozuna is 11. Batista, 10. Million Dollar Corporation is 9. Oh, Edge wow. is 8. Orton is 7. Triple H is 6. Austin, 5. Mankind, 4. Brock, 3. Sean, 2. Kane, 1. Yeah. So, right. similar guys we have, but uh, Diesel, that's Diesel. one. That, what could have been, dude? It was a like, good rivalry, it know, was especially great, for the time. Yeah, like what could have been? They got to had some more, more time together, you know. So they because Diesel had some good matches with Taker. <laughs> oh yeah, I I love their feud and, and Taker having uh, that Diesel mannequin in in the coffin mm-hmm. too. That was yeah. good stuff. It brought out a, intense heel stuff from Diesel at the time. Yeah. Well, uh, I did throw it out there to the PSK, and I want to share some of their comments here from Twitter. Uh, like I said, Steve, um, I don't know how to say his Twitter handle, at Dredico, something like that, he said, Mr. Kennedy, an outside shot uh, for you boys. You know, uh, Mr. Kennedy did not age well to us. Uh, we were fans of him back in the day, and um, he certainly, he got a win over Taker. But uh, yeah, another one probably needed a little more seasoning on there to make that one make the grade uh, <laughs> no I'll comment from Travis I got nothing to do with it. I can't here's one uh, neither one of us said didn't sound like it made it in the top 15 uh, for WWE but Jason Bayless uh, on Twitter said who? oh 
Yeah, you don't remember the Jason Bayless rivalry? Okay, go ahead. Bret Hart. He was the you one know that what? opened the door for Taker to actually start being able to work and show what he could do yeah. and that he wasn't just the zombie character they'd seen for the first six years prior. And I thought, man, I, yeah, I should have thought about that one a little bit more. I thought about him, but I just thought like their matches were really good. But I just don't remember the. I just don't think of Brett being a rival. Okay, you know, I don't. I just don't think sure. of the actual feud. I don't think of the story. When I think of them, I think of the matches that were fantastic. I got. I gotta have some. Gotta have some story to go along with, it. and that just story for those matches just don't don't come back to me honestly yeah no i got you <laughs> i have but... to sit and think but yeah there's no doubt there's a great match good stuff um superstar grim riper uh i believe i'm saying that right said mick foley not only did taker subtly evolve his repertoire to counteract the frenetic insanity of mankind in 96 but the hell in a cell match they had in 98 intentionally or unintentionally gave taker even more of an element of danger and that he's not to be feuded with lightly you mentioned that <laughs> Uh, Mike Pru from the bottom line cast. Of course, we heard from him earlier. He said an all time great rival is someone that you can compete with numerous times, sometimes for personal reasons, but often to determine who's the best. Based on my definition, I'm going to say HBK is Taker's greatest rival. Uh, look, man, both had him at number two. So uh, I I can't, I can't be mad at you if you put him at number one. Uh, Paul uh, at Lay in Smackdown said Kane from the moment Paul Bear introduced Kane, he made an impact going against Taker and how their careers intertwined, whether as brothers of destruction or rivals, both brought out the best and a longtime listener and friend of the show, loyal PSK member, Zach at Zach L two one seven. So I'll throw a few out there and I know you guys will make this list super badass. Batista and the 2007 rivalry of the year, in my opinion, um, yeah, he, he's, like I said, my number 11, a little bit longer. I wish it could have gone on there. He said edge and we're going to end it with this right here, man. A surprise one I would go for is the great Kali. <laughs> Their last man standing. Yeah, match they had on SmackDown was an amazing all caps blow off match. Zach, we're going to give you a pass. Cause you've been a long time friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hey, Last Man Standing match was better than it had any right to be. Uh, I do remember that one being slightly better than it should have been. And look, we, we talked about qualifications for rivalry. Great Khali, he took Taker out, made him bleed, you know, you know, dominated him, squashed him basically on pay-per-view. So just kayfabe wise, yeah. you can make a case for that. But uh I'd know. say you flip the script and say Iron Taker was Khali's greatest rival. There I would never go. say Khali. That's something you said at the beginning. And, yeah. You know, there's a lot of guys. Taker was their greatest rival, but maybe not so much on yeah. his list. Great point. Yeah. Great point. So, like Batista. I'd say Batista's greatest rival was probably Taker, honestly. Taker, Triple H. Triple H. Yeah. yeah. Probably Triple H. But yeah, Taker's number two. We're like, yeah, he wasn't, he didn't even make our list. So yeah, Taker's probably there for a lot of guys. Um, but anyway, yeah. Well, golly. Uh, golly, golly. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well so we love hearing man. i love hearing other people's opinions that's what makes us so great is we can all share those and agree and disagree and debate that that's what we love about doing this show uh thank you everybody for listening hope you enjoyed this episode something a little bit different like i said we don't want to uh, we're not just going to do a watch along every month we want to change it up mix it up and i know this one had been a topic request from some people yeah. so it was very fun to talk about it's weird that we hadn't done this yet 
Well, yeah, we, I filled out the poll a few times, and it didn't didn't ever win the poll. And um, just we just we had other anniversaries to hit up, other ideas. Well, it was just funny. Like I just think back, I was like, how are we not like not like how are we not like it's just funny. Like I, yeah. in my mind, we've done this. You know, like, it's been no, sitting on the back burner for a while. We, we've, yeah. we've bounced it off, and finally made sense to do it now. So uh, be sure to listen to our coverage of all these classic Undertaker matches wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you are subscribed to us, and if you are a loyal member of the PSK, let the world know about your PSK pride with the latest offering at tpublic.com. Get your Pod Street Crew shirt. I'll show you the back. Show us the back. Oh yeah, Undertaker PSK pride. Little uh, representative of the Undertaker's classic PSK tattoo, and then the front is sort of like uh, tried to match it like the beanies and, and hats. Yep. There's like a famous backstage picture of the BSK, uh, so I tried to match that up as best I could. Um, tpublic.com, if it's not on sale right now, just give it 24 hours. Just wait a minute, it probably <laughs> yeah. will be 30% off. Yeah. Uh, and you can get it on a sticker, a mug, a hoodie, a sweater, a baby onesie whatever you want, uh, and uh, it'll help support us here at the show. But best way you can support is listen. Next best way is to head over to manscaped.com. Use the code TAKEREASY for 20% off uh, your complete order. Something as small as the lotions or the gels, the boxers, or something. If you want to go big boy, get the beard hedger, the performance package, any of that stuff, just go check it out. Take a minute, scroll on the website, and if you find something you like, Father's Day is coming up. This honestly, legit, some fantastic Father's Day gift ideas mm-hmm. over at manscaped.com. Use the code TAKEREASY, 20% off over there. Uh, quick shout outs to the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. Thanks again to Mike for helping us uh, plug Manscaped. Uh, give no them doubt. a listen. They just did a episode uh, on War Games from 1992 with stunning Steve Ooh. Austin, an all-time nice. classic match. Uh, and they are coming out. Their next episode is going to be the. Uh, it's going to be. They called it a mix pack. So they're going to be doing uh, a top ten list on there. Uh, they're going to talk about Undertaker's. Sorry, Stone Cold's top T-shirts of all time. So they're going to rank those. But you wow. know, he had a new one every yeah. single week. So it'll be great to talk about that. Uh, that one time he had a white one and he got doused in the blood. Well, they're <laughs> going to do the worst as well. So that's going to okay. be on the worst. Yeah. Um, and then they're also Austin's gonna, coming out in a white t-shirt. We know something's wrong. <laughs> they're going to review his Most Wanted Treasures episode that was just on A&E. They're going to do a, oh, okay. a little mix of things on there on their next episode. Uh, Steven Zeman of Collecting Dead Man. Of course, he's got episodes covering his ever-growing Undertaker collection. Got fun watch-alongs on there uh, with Randy Turco uh, and many others on there. And again, shout-out to Buddy, friend of the show, PSK member watching along Tommy go subscribe to his YouTube channel watch his YouTube um, his Wrestlemania vlog series uh, his travels from there very fun stuff from Tommy he did a backlash review uh, what a great fun pay-per-view did he go to was. Puerto Rico he did not go oh, no, 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 no. dude I was like wouldn't geez. surprise me you know I know but uh, uh, I'm sure he had a chance to somehow but uh, he'll probably go to the next one for sure yeah and uh, yeah all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, real quick. Next month, so July episode, we talked about this, Travis. going to be a little bit of a, a detour, but uh, we're going to tie it into Undertaker. But speaking of 25th anniversaries, we talked about it earlier. It's the 25th anniversary of a match you were at live, an iconic moment in wrestling history. Goldberg defeating Hulk Hogan in the Georgia Dome on WCW Nitro in Atlanta, Georgia. You were there. 
So I want to hear all about your time at that match. We're going to watch that match back. Do a watch along for that and talk about that. But, of course, that was at the peak of Nitro. That was the main event of Nitro that night. Let's match it up with the main event of Monday Night Raw that night. Uh, we won't watch it at the same time. We'll go back to back. Could be like we used to. I'll watch yeah. it you watch Nitro. It could be I mean, like the other that. way around. <laughs> that yeah. might be kind of fun, actually. But uh, uh, no, we'll watch these matches. And, hey, just so happens to be that main event of that Raw is a pretty famous moment. It is uh, Kane versus Mankind. But it's not Kane. Oh, no. It's The Undertaker dressed right. up as Kane uh, in, in a pretty huge moment. So uh, those were main eventing against each other back on a Monday night in 1998. So we're going to relive the Monday Night War for a very special episode of Talking Taker and review those matches and see who we think won the war 25 years later for one night only at least. So I think it'll be very fun, very different uh, type of Talking Taker next month. So, uh, man, let's wrap it up, man. Uh Tell people what to do. All right. Manscaped.com slash easy. Use it as your code. Or use the code TakerEasy. I'm sorry. As your as your checkout code. Get 20% off. Uh, if you were there at any of these matches that we just talked about. I'm just kidding. Any you're going to know that. Yeah. But uh, let us know who your favorite or your top 10 rivals are. Um, sorry, Ken Anderson. Not making the list. Name is Kali. Let us know your top 10s and uh, on the Twitter or the socials. All of the things. And uh, we'll see you next month. Have a happy summer, ladies and gentlemen. Stay safe out there. And as always, above all else, take her easy. The Kane-Undertaker rivalry is the best story that WWE's ever told. The layers of the story out of the gate were so, so rich. The Undertaker and Kane have just beat the hell out of each other. Batman, you have the Joker with Undertaker. You have Kane.